0: podcast network but not from head studios welcome to mother folklore the quarantine sessions i'm Derek crochet
1: i'm Clodagh mcginley
0: Hey, you getting on Clodagh?
1: i'm good i'm actually i'm very very good it's been a nice it's been a nice week for a change it's been a nice week in quarantine i have to say
0: that's something else you've been listening to some good tunes lately
1: oh yeah there's uh there's one gal called uh eve <laughs> bell <laughs> Not Fantastic. sure not sure you've heard of her you're about hey. to hear her
0: <laughs> hey how are you getting on
2: I am not too bad um I'm quarantining in beautiful Donegal so could be a lot worse
0: so for those of our listeners who are not familiar with uh Eve's work Eve Bell is a singer songwriter from beautiful Donegal occasionally based in Dublin but more more typically based in Donegal would that be correct
2: yeah I think I think that would be true for the moment anyway um well I've been (laughs) I've been primarily based in Dublin for the past uh four years now so um back in donegal for for the moment anyway but uh yeah sort of back and forth between the two
0: excellent and we, one of the things we, we really want to talk to you about obviously the business of being a, being a being a student during quarantine being a musician during quarantine when you know, live music opportunities are in trouble and obviously people consuming art in a different way during quarantine we were hoping you'd be able to share your insights from in those regards but first of all maybe you could tell us a little about yourself and about your how you got into the whole songwriting singer songwriting game
2: uh yeah i mean i guess i sort of started properly getting involved in in the music side of things i was about nine when i really started taking a serious interest in music i got myself a guitar for christmas um one Christmas when I was about, yeah, I was nine. Mm. I decided I wasn't really doing enough with my life and needed to do something productive. <laughs> when you <So>, nine. <laughs> um, <laughs> Not even yeah, double digits, Jesus Christ. Was, <laughs> no, yeah, it's it set in really early, I guess, that existential fear. But um, I kind of started from there, pl- kind of playing away on the guitar. Um, and I guess I was writing songs properly when I was maybe 14 or 15. Um about whatever was going on in my head back then. And then um, got a little bit older, went off to, to live in Dublin and um, got signed with my label, um, Rubyworks, who I am with to this day. Um, and yeah, that, that was kind of the, the real beginning of it, um, I guess, when I, when I got to Dublin and things kind of really started moving.
0: Well, so tell us, for a lot of there's a lot of musicians out there who um, would just love to find themselves a respectable label like Ruby How did you and them cross paths?
2: Um, it, I suppose it was sort of a matter of um, a very gradual process. I got introduced to them through um, a, a solicitor who I was introduced to, um, and oh. he he introduced me to them. So I guess it was sort of a matter of. Um, just having been gigging away before that, I think that is really central to kind of getting anywhere as a musician is is visibility really. So I, I kind of had mm-hmm. spent a few years doing any and every gig that was available to me to do. So um, that was sort of how I ended up meeting them or meeting the person who introduced me to them. Did you
1: want to become a musician when you came to Dublin or did you want to get the degree done first as a kind of a... Like a safeguard, or were you kind of encouraged to do a degree?
0: <laughs> all um, the parents listening <laughs>
1: <laughs>
2: <laughs> to all the parents out there. Um, well, I was someone who music was a constant for me. Um, it didn't really matter what I was going to be doing, um, I was going to be doing music anyway. So, I guess when I went to college, I, I studied languages in college. So, that was another passion of mine. Um, But it was never even a remote possibility that I wasn't going to be doing music alongside college. Um, So, yeah, I mean, music has always been the central thing that I want to do. It's been my main passion. So everything else, even though I'm passionate about college, I have been passionate about languages. Um, They've been things that are in the background of of my main passion, which has always been music.
1: That's very cool. It's great to have both. I mean, it is... Like, I know people say that you should kind of run, like, headfirst towards your dreams and everything, but I guess, like, it's never as, um, as straightforward as that. But then that being said, maybe having the degree as well kind of motivates you to step away from it, if that makes sense. It kind of motivates you to, like, want to get into music a little bit more and to not kind of return to the mundane lifestyle.
2: A little bit, I guess. I've been... Mean- for for me, my degree has definitely been, my time in college has been invaluable, I suppose, in, in terms of the academic side of it, definitely, but also the, the parts of it outside of that, I, I suppose, are really, really character building. Just the experience of kind of being out in the world on your own and everything, that's really been um, kind of a pivotal experience for me as a musician, and it's definitely strengthened my songwriting process it's like strengthened me as a person in, in general so i feel like there's there's much more to the experience of, of sort of going to to university and, and living on your own um than the you know the academic side of it there's there's a lot more to it that sort of changes you as a person along the way as well
0: so Eve, you just mentioned there about the how kind of polite performance kind of develops songwriting because it's one thing writing songs in your room, but when you play a gig live, you get, to, you get to see an idea of what an audience responds to and that can affect the way you write your next song, whether it be... So that's something some musicians have told me about. Is that something that is, has it fed into your music that way?
2: Um For me, definitely, uh, because I think music was always a really cathartic thing for me. Like songwriting was always very cathartic, but when you perform this stuff when it's like you're, you're sort of pouring your soul into these songs a little bit. Um, it's very nerve wracking initially sort of letting anyone even hear that. Um, but then mm. when when you're on a, a live stage and one of the most meaningful things for me about this profession, I guess, is um, when someone comes up to you and tells you that like something that you sang or something that you wrote, like made them feel something or that they really related to it or like, Oh my God, I I felt that exact situation. I've I've been there. Um, That was always like amazing to me because it was sort of like, Oh wow. The thing that I get from music, there are a couple of people out there who get that from, from my music. So as much playing live, definitely sort of made me realize that like my, my feelings and and the stuff that goes into my songs—it doesn't happen in a vacuum, you know—and and it can have an impact on on people if if they like it, you know. So, I think in in that way, it's it's kind of given me more confidence, and it's it's been encouraging to, um, to kind of see that when you sort of pour your soul into something, people are like, "Oh my God, this is great! Like, this is super depressing. I love it." And I'm like, "Cool, okay, that's not discouraging in terms of just kind of putting everything out there."
0: Yeah, people feel the authenticity. And obviously mm-hmm. the big thing now is it's, it's very hard to get those live gigs make those live connections at the moment. Have you been writing more since the... Have, have you been writing more since the quarantine has, has put a stumper on live performance?
2: Uh, yeah, definitely. I've been writing quite a bit since this all kicked off. I, I guess, like, if you're looking for silver linings in the whole uh, pandemic situation, it's that it's given a lot of people, like, a lot more time to sort of just you know, uh, focus on, on on the arts and to kind of be a little bit more introspective and get back in touch with what we were doing before. Because I know for me, like, I, ca- I can find it quite difficult to sort of find the time to, to really sit down and write to or to, to find the time to look for inspiration rather than just, like, letting it come to me and writing when I feel like it. So having all of this time and, and I suppose being in a place that's so removed from the city and from uh kind of the busyness of of life it's it's definitely been instrumental in in my songwriting since i've been back
0: have you been connecting with um connecting with your fans through um social media or the outlets as, a, as an alternative to live performance
2: um yeah like uh i've done a few instagram live stream gigs which is a very strange experience um it's um it's just it's it's weird kind of having a platform like that and and sort of where people can tune in when they want to and tune back out when they want to there's something really nice about it it feels feels more casual and intimate than uh than i suppose a, a concert setting but it's um it's definitely strange uh because it's for me the buzz of of sort of performing live and of getting to be in that concert setting um that's really central to to why i do this and one of my absolute favorite things about um being a a musician is is playing live so it's really strange to have to kind of go and find substitutes for that
1: do you have a favorite live gig that you've ever done
2: um i have a few i guess um i did a headline show in whelan's last summer Um, And it was sort of the first show I'd done with a four piece band. Um, And I it was one of those shows that up until it happened, I didn't really know how it was going to go. I was really nervous. Um, But. It all just kind of came together um, on on the night and uh, there was a wonderful turnout and just feeling the amount of support that was there and having that many people kind of show up to support something that you're doing and something that you're passionate about. Um, it was just really emotional. Like I was I was really just overcome with like what, a, what an amazing feeling that was. So I'd say that was definitely my, my favorite. That's really cool.
1: That's really, really good. But and mm-hmm. you supported Housier as well, haven't you? Which is unreal.
2: Yes, um, that was another really surreal experience. Like I sang Hosier songs for my junior music practical. So supporting him was like wow. really, really <laughs> strange and surreal. Um, he's like ridiculously sound as well, which mm. is just it's just it lives up to all of the all of the dreams. But uh, yeah, I supported him for <laughs> uh, three nights in the oh God, it was the Academy and um it was just amazing. Like, I mean, because he he would be one of my absolute favorite artists, and one of someone who would have inspired me a lot growing up, um, and whose music I would have listened to an awful lot growing up. Um, and to kind of get to to get to go to one of his gigs would have been pretty cool. But to get to actually, you know, play and you know and support him and meet him and everything, it was just like surreal. It was amazing. Very very
1: cool.
0: It's so one thing um, you um, I want to talk about the fact you obviously yeah, and when you were not. Doing music, you are studying languages. That's gone really well, and you grew up in Donegal Galduct. And I want to talk about maybe how maybe growing up in a Gaelic area helped that or fed into that language learning. You're actually uh, you were into a, a neighbour of sorts with uh, a, a, a frequent guest of ours.
2: Um, yeah, so Pauline, who is uh, a frequent guest, as as you were saying, um, I was in national school with her. Um, So I've known her since since I was, I think, nine, um, since I moved up here. Uh, But yeah, I guess uh, growing up in the Gaeltook definitely was sort of a huge part of my love of languages. And and that's definitely kind of lasted into into adulthood. Um, But I guess... It, it sort of fostered uh, an appreciation for for languages that I probably wouldn't have had if I had been brought up outside of the Gaeltacht. Because
0: mm. there's some people who think that you know being good at Irish means you must be bad at other languages. <laughs> <laughs> or you, that you, it limits your ability to, to learn other languages, and this is it's one of the arguments. Stupid that's as
1: Terry, <laughs> Jesus Christ! It is so exhausting. It is yeah. just so like your brain doesn't work that way. Your brain doesn't just have like little rooms here and there, and like you can't like hoard things in your brain like a key. That's just so stupid.
0: Yeah, it's not. It's not like shoving things in the boot of a car.
1: Yes, exactly.
2: <laughs> <laughs> if anything, oh. I'm. Le- I mean, my experience with languages has been like the the more languages you have the easier it is to learn more languages and i think that's something i found with mm-hmm. irish as well like because i mean it has a latin base you know so it's it, for me learning french and spanish was you know i had the kind of building blocks of irish before i went to looking at other languages and it definitely helped like it was a foundation to build on
0: but when you um and obviously you, you, Speaking uh, Donegal Irish meant that maybe in the school system you found there was a bias like, towards some of the other community. Donegal Irish speakers are always saying, you know, the education system kind of tends to favour the other dialects.
2: Um, I actually I think as someone who I when I started learning Irish like at at five years old I lived in Westmeath, um, and mm. so it was you know kind of the, the Leinster kind of conduct mix that was being taught and um when I moved to Donegal I learning Irish as someone who wasn't a native speaker I feel like it's like it you know if if you start playing guitar hero and you have to learn on hard mode and then they put you on like easy mode after that like everywhere else just seemed much slower and to make more sense but I had had to learn the one that was like really complicated not phonetic like nothing is where as it seems the alphabet is thrown out the window I'd had to learn that one already so when I Mm kind of came to doing the leaving cert like the, the I found um I Donegal Irish was a lot more to do with instinct and getting used to speaking it whereas um, I found the other connoons to be more sort of phonetic and I found them easier to understand, um, I think, from having that experience of learning Donegal Irish.
0: Hmm.
1: Interesting. Do you have a favourite connoons? Like, would you, to this day, would you favour one over the other or have you kind of grown to love Donegal Irish?
2: Oh, Donegal Irish would definitely be my favourite, I would say. Um, I don't know, I think there, I think just as... Having grown up with it, like, there is just something I love about it. I think there is, like, a real music to it. Um, and I think, you know, in terms of just feeling very natural to me, Donegal Irish is definitely the one. But um, mm-hmm. when I was in first year of, of Trinity, I was in the scheme Cónighae. Um, where kind of you live in an Irish-speaking apartment and I sort of had to abandon Donegal Irish a little bit because it was like two weeks in and uh, no one understood a word I was saying everyone else was from Kerry and like they just didn't know what I was talking about so I kind of did have to tone it down a little bit but um, (laughs) it's definitely still my favourite, so.
0: I love that you call it toning it down. (laughs) (laughs) As if it's more than people can handle. I had to connect it
2: up a little bit, unfortunately.
0: (laughs) God. little
1: bit of Kerrygold Kerrygold butter it up yeah
0: <laughs> but yeah that does um, Tony Irish does seem to have this reputation but I think it, uh, ideally people should be able to find the uh, knowledge that they like and stick to it as much as they can but obviously there's huge logistical issues with, with that in education it's just something we'll have to mm. find our way towards so tell me about writing lyrics because as a multilingual person and you do, do you do you find like when you're writing a song, does it, do do the words come first, or does the tune come first, or is that a ridiculous question? Um,
2: I'm someone who's very lyric focused. Um, I'm kind of obsessed with storytelling through songs and stuff like that. Um, so for mm-hmm. me, songs are, are very concept based. Um, like it's really important that I'm I'm saying something in the songs that I write. So the lyrics would definitely carry more weight uh than the melody for me um and i think that's kind of something that i I kind of have noticed about my own writing and something i have to kind of work on because the melody is is important as well but for me the storytelling element the 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 getting the emotion across that's all in the lyrics in my process Mm -hmm. anyway
0: i see and uh do you have any favorites of your own lyrics
2: of my own lyrics? Yeah. Um, <laughs> I wouldn't know um, off the oh, top you wanna, of my head. Do you um... want to start with
0: someone else's uh, <laughs> l- lyric? Uh, yeah, God, I wish I wrote that line.
2: Sh- sure. Um, I mean, I got to cite my boy Hosier again. I think he's kind of the, the kind of pinnacle of Irish songwriting at the minute. Um, just in terms of like how vivid his imagery is, like even someone had the lyrics of Cherry Wine by Hosier up the other day and like that's just the storytelling in that and the metaphor in that. Um, But he sacrificed nothing melody-wise either to kind of create the songscapes that he does. Um, But Mm. yeah, I guess that would sort of be lyrical excellence as far as I'm concerned.
0: Yeah, I think just one of the first time I heard In A Week uh, by Hosier and just the storytelling of that song is just incredible and the how visual it is Well, I've a music video just from the, the the way the lyrics paint this picture it's um ghastly and unforgettable that's sometimes yeah you just find these that it, it can be a, a trick reconciling uh, one one with the other as you say
2: yeah it can be definitely but i think in the songwriters that i listen to as well i think um it's really important not to kind of shy away from unpleasant imagery that's it's always like uh the songs that are make me feel like i need to like spit out teeth at the end like i feel like i've just been punched in the face in the best possible way like that's my favorite music to listen to um so you know i think it's 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 important to kind of find that balance of of um really intense and strong lyrics and also kind of beautiful melodies as well so
0: so eve uh we are currently in uh, in mean abroad and <laughs> we got to do my parents like <laughs> correct my parents
1: differently <laughs> Mina mean uh, <laughs> Mina Brodge, yeah.
0: yeah. Mina Brodge, yeah. Broad. Here's me thinking of Brodge. Like, yeah, <laughs> but that's...
1: <laughs> well, it kind of is broach though, in a way, like in Donegal, Irish. It's not... I don't know. It kind bro-do. of...
2: Yeah, you would yeah. say Broddle. Like, to me Broddle. to me mean yeah. Mina broad, Yeah. Yeah, I'll allow it. So there it's you kind, go. You were just yeah.
1: matching the con kind of dark.
0: <laughs> <laughs> exactly. Just, yeah. Yeah. I try to make everybody feel welcome, you know? <laughs> um, <laughs> and obviously, yeah, I was um, I guess was in Ireland, particularly in the past few, a few years, the, the, there has been a link between activism and creativity. In a way, it, I mean, it's probably always been there, but it's it's taken a particular form in 21st century Ireland. Possibly because the good guys started winning, but there's um, <laughs> I mean, so all sorts of things. And how, how do you find kind of because you've you've been involved in in, in campaigning and, and uh, as well as other just general activism as well as your music and. How have you found that these things go together do you think that it's um it's something that you, that artists just have to it comes naturally with art or that there's a there's a trade-off
2: um I feel like for for me anyway it's something that I think as a as a creative I'm just not really able to ignore the world around me an awful lot I'm not really able to kind of passively watch things I tend to be very involved in things that I that I care about and things that make me sad um so and I I think in addition to that like a lot of Irish creatives like we have a platform you know we're we're we are very vocal on social media, um, people mm-hmm. watch us, people listen to us. So I think with, with any kind of platform comes the obligation to sort of use that to the best of your ability to, to aid in, you know, positive social change. Like that's certainly how, mm-hmm. I, how I've felt um, about it. And I think, you know, the past couple of years I, I have been sort of involved in, you know, uh, especially with the, the movement for repeal, The eighth, um, I was very much involved in that, Um, and I think it's something that watching people be, you know, have like real meaningful conversations um, on it and have their minds change or feel a little bit more understood or a little bit more accepted, like that was incredibly uh, meaningful to me. Um, So I think in terms of in terms of being a creative, I think once you have a platform, you know, you gotta you gotta use it, you gotta stand up for, for what you believe in. That's certainly been my experience. And, um, I think, I think it might have more to do with just the general sort of people that musicians are. We're generally lefties, most of us anyway. So we kind of don't tend to sit and and watch. We tend to kind of get involved. Um, but yeah, I'd say there is a link.
0: Must be. Do you find say sometimes there might be issues you care deeply about you want to speak about? Then once you've established reputation for speaking on an issue that maybe people expect you to get involved in other issues you maybe aren't as closely invested in and at some point you gotta say, actually no. I'm saving it all for the the two or three causes?
2: Um I mean I'm a firm believer in people's ability to, you know, to care about more than, than one thing. And I, I, I totally get that. You know, yeah. there is this huge right. amount of pressure on on people to, you know, to pick a thing and that's their thing. And it's, uh, there's also a huge amount of pressure, that being said on people to sort of weigh in on on absolutely everything so as much Mm. as i'm an advocate for speaking out i'm also an advocate for like shutting up getting educated and Mm. boosting up the voices who know more about it than you you know so like Mm. even you don't you don't have to have an opinion on everything you can but you do if if there's something happening in the world that is wrong you know you owe it to yourself and you owe it to the, the people who are being wronged to to educate yourself as much as possible on it. You don't necessarily need to weigh in, but you can lift up and amplify the voices of the people who do know what they're talking about, you know?
0: Yeah, and I I, I agree. I think it, 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 sometimes the best way to use your platform is to actually is to magnify someone who is okay, a closer voice to things anyone in Ireland who is um, interested in music, anyone who's young, who's interested in music or in politics, we've grown up in the in the shadow of U2 and maybe we're probably a band kind of more closely associated with, um, with com- combining music with talking about things and uh, sometimes that has bitten them bitten them on the ass either because of uh, an inconsistency between their own ac- uh, business activities and what they believe or contradicting statements or not being able to follow up on a question and it is a tricky thing it's easy to see how somebody might just not want to get involved at all because they see how some some musicians who are are musically or politically vocal can be held to a very high standard
2: well yeah i mean politics is mean and (laughs) or not industry industry is is also mean (laughs) you know um so I mean it's 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 one of those things it's it's very scary to 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 kind of put yourself out there and and say what you believe um but I think at the end of the day for, for where I stand on it anyway is like I'm I'm the person that I have to wake up in the morning and go to sleep at night and be happy that I've done what I believe to be right yeah. you know and uh, I think I think if you fundamentally believe that you're doing you know the right thing and you've and you've listened and you've educated yourself and you're doing the best you can do you know that's that's all you can do you know so Mm -hmm. you got to kind of just make sure you've you're listening make sure you're educating yourself and you know stand up for what you think is right stand up for what you believe in and if people are mean to you people are going to be people going to be mean to you anyway so
1: exactly like honestly if you're ever afraid If you're ever afraid of putting yourself out there, like the chances are that somebody already hates you. So like you're not losing anything (laughs) by making your voice heard on.
2: (laughs) Like, I mean, people hate people for like the way that they cook their noodles in the wrong order, like they put in the water before they put the seasoning sachet. So like you might, they're going to hate you regardless. So you might as well, you know, (laughs) say what you think while you're up there. exactly. Exactly.
1: (laughs) <laughs> and like, you do have a voice. Everybody does have a voice and amplifying the voice of somebody else is still a great way to get involved in something. Yeah,
0: definitely. And before we wrap up, Eve, um, um, do you have a favourite Irish word we would have to ask all our guests that?
2: Yeah, so I was thinking about this. <laughs> I kind of was thinking about it a week ago when I figured out I was doing this and then I forgot about it today. So I hadn't thought about it today, but I think uh, my favourite Irish word is charmant which is uh, like a haven or uh, a safe place. I think that's always been my favourite one. Charmin. Charmin, yeah.
0: Excellent, that's a lovely one. That's, and that's appropriate for the, the times yeah. we're in.
2: For sure. Yeah, certainly. Fantastic. It's also a lovely town in Donegal, if anyone's ever visiting.
0: <laughs> There's the plug, excellent.
2: <laughs> <laughs> Visit Donegal. Visit um, Donegal. Yeah.
0: The amount of people who haven't not been. Not an ad. Because, because it's not on the train line. <laughs> one day. We'll it's not back. but like that's the thing scandal. about it like
2: you know once you're here you've worked for it so you can really enjoy yourself
0: <laughs> <laughs> and it always pays off yeah well on that note uh Eiffel, thank you so much for joining us this evening
2: no problem thank you so much for having me
0: where can people find your music
2: um literally everywhere uh so all the streaming platforms spotify apple music deezer um i am extremely online um, because no one has tried to stop me yet. So I'm on Twitter, <laughs> Facebook, Instagram, TikTok, <laughs> God help me, all of that. So yeah.
0: And what's your Twitter handle if anyone wants to look you up?
2: Oh, yeah. Sorry, that would make sense, wouldn't it? Um, it's at Eve Bell Songs.
0: Eve Bell um, And songs. It,
2: Instagram is at underscore Eve Bell underscore.
0: Brilliant. Eve Bell, thank you again for joining us. So until the next time, it's a salon from me.
1: A salon from me. slen. <laughs>
2: <laughs>
0: mind yourselves hey dark again we really hope you enjoyed today's show we enjoyed making it and bring it to you thank you very much to my producer Brian thank you very much to Kirsten Scheel who does the artwork for the show you can contact us at org or through the various Twitter channels we use as well. The Motherfucker Twitter grant has a different curator every week. You can support the show on Patreon.com. Supporters on Patreon will get access to some additional content, for example, episode guides where we spell Irish words that have been used in previous episodes, though they'll be added, as well as some bonus content which I'll be making. Really looking forward to bringing to you. Till the next time, fall. This has been a production of the Headstuff Podcast Network.
2: Bye!